This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. The Jay Severin Show. In the words of the popular, nay, unforgettable pop song, when my baby, when my baby doesn't smile at me or is unresponsive in every other way, I go to Rio, I go to Rio because of Zika. Sad but true, we say Veritas. and brightest wait don't tell me best and brightest right don't tell me just do me one favor don't tell me best and brightest right went to high school together right i'd recognize you anywhere i'm jay severin we are together the blaze radio network one 888 when my baby doesn't smile at me and is otherwise totally unresponsive i go to rio zika narrow uh I'm going to pick up where my young colleague Buck left off, and as a as a just as a parenthetical sidebar, I'm going to guess that Buck's comparatively, hmm? comparatively, relatively sanguine attitude about Zika is owing to. Not because he doesn't know the story, he knows everything, but he, he but he's young and healthy. You see, and I think if you're young Buck is still in that that sphere phase of life in which you are indestructible and believe yourself impervious to all outside bugs, bludgeons, battles, everything. God bless him and God bless us all. So I, I, I think that, that, that Buck's beginning to worry about, seriously, about Zika because he's young and healthy. And you don't, you know, you just don't, this stuff doesn't make your radar screen as soon. I mean, I don't believe Buck's, a, well, I believe, I, I know, unless it's been proven otherwise in a court and Buck successfully had the record sealed, Buck's not yet a daddy. So that's it right there, more than anything, that's it right there. I'm I, I'm a daddy, so ever since I became a daddy, I worry about Zika diseases. I worry about meteorites. Are you kidding me? Since I became a father, I worry about planes falling out of the sky on my house. So I mean, you know, I mean that's that's the dividing line. Anyway, I'd like to with the thanks for the handoff in this Olympic four by four, in this case two by two. I, I, I'll take the baton from Buck 
and say, Zika, don't worry. These mosquitoes can never, ever, did I say mosquitoes? I meant killer bees. These killer bees will never come north. They can't stand the temperatures. They'll all die. I'll tell you who's dying. Farmers in Northern California, whose the noise from the tractors of whom is bestirring killer bees in hives a mile away, who come by the tens of thousands to sting that farmer to death in Northern California. You know, take a look at the map. Northern California is pretty good north. The killer bees will never make the jump. You know what? They could never. This was in the New York Times. The killer bees could never make the jump over the Panama Canal. <laughs> when are we going to learn? This is nature you're effing with. The bees can do whatever they want. They can go wherever they want to go. And they'll they'll figure out a way to go where they want to go. Okay. But that's killer bees. I don't want you to work. In fact... Not only do I not want you to worry, I'm telling you, don't worry. Those mosquitoes can never come north of the Olympics. I mean, until they stop feeding off the dead bodies of Olympic athletes who actually go in the water. Have you seen that video? Look it up. Look up Rio Bay water or, you know, Rio Olympic water or just wait for the news tonight if you've not yet seen it. Now, you you know, I, I've been talking about this for two years at least. The, 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 the water levels then, I'll get to that in a minute. Zika for the moment. It's fine. The mosquitoes can never come north of Rio. Yeah, just don't travel in the United States of America. I'm not kidding. I'll get to that one in a second too. Don't travel anywhere in America. When did this happen? When did this jump occur? When did these balls, how do these mosquitoes fly with balls like this? How do they get the temerity to to fly where we've already told them they can't go? How do they do this? Uh, This, by the way, Zika, this Rick Scott, governor of Florida, all over television this morning. Why? Okay, because he's a good guy. Ride with me on this one for a second. Because he's a good governor, he cares about his constituents, his family lives there too, his kids live there too, maybe he has grandchildren, they live there, he's the governor of Florida. Oh, and Florida becomes Mississippi without tourism. And with Zika, Florida becomes Mississippi. So another reason that Governor Scott was out there was to try and literally save the economy of his state and the people in it. Do you know if tourism takes a 10% hit? We're in August. I wouldn't call it peak season for Miami. But you know what? Every month is peak season 
if you live in Florida for tourism. Because people who can least afford to go in November, you know, December, January, February, March, are the ones who go in July and August. Because it's far more affordable and it's hot. But you know what? You go because it's hot. And the beach and everything else you're in is air-conditioned. But there is no down month in Florida. But there are relative up months. And we're approaching them in another blink of an eye. Right? And if if 5%, if 2% of Florida tourism is affected by anything, anything, do you know how many people are out of a job? I mean, do you know how many people go, like, go hungry? I mean, do you know how the dynamic... I mean, I don't. I, I'm, I'm paid to ask questions, not necessarily answer them. Uh, but can you imagine the economic impact to a place anywhere in the world? In this case, our place, Florida. Can you imagine the impact to Florida? Can you imagine the political pressure being applied right now by medicine on the one hand and tourism officials and politicians on the other over the fight whether to dub this an epidemic because at, at a certain point in order to qualify for federal funding and for a whole lot of things to happen something need need be called officially an epidemic it's like when a governor asks the White House, please declare my state a disaster area. Because when a president does that, that state immediately qualifies for all kinds of federal aid, federal money, all kinds of machinery. And so it's, it's tech, well, not, I mean, it's technically, legally, and in human terms, really important. Okay. So governor, a governor, in this case, Rick Scott of Florida, is caught between the medicinal, i.e., trying to protect his people and tell the truth about this, he's caught between the medicinal and the political. And the political says every phone call, every email, everybody knocking on his door, every lobbyist, every politician Governor Scott knows is begging him, you know, all the tourism people, the hotel, the real estate, everybody, everybody is banging on his door saying, don't call this an epidemic. Because if you do, our livelihood of our state goes down the drain. This is a serious thing. Now, I don't know if it'll be a serious thing in the end, and I pray along with you that it's not. But for the moment, the fact that we know so little and it's growing so fast makes it a worry more straight ahead. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. 
This is Jay Febrin on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, it is. We are one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. When my baby, when my baby doesn't smile at me because he can't. I've been to Rio, Rio Zicanero. Okay. Don't worry, the mosquitoes can never come north of the Olympics, just like the killer bees. I just want to mention a couple other things here. This is why we have, by the way, when I saw Rick Scott standing there, he made a profound political statement, which I'm sure went missed. And that is, I'm here today because, and, you know, obviously... There are a lot of causes that he's not going to talk about, but which we just did. But one because is, he said, this is a national problem, not a state problem. I'm here today to ask the president and the federal government who, and I quote, have not been a good partner in this so far, end quote, not been a good partner. I'm asking the president and the Congress to regard this as what it is. It's a national problem regarding national attention. Now, we do you know that we had an Ebola czar? I bet you didn't even know we had a czar. Uh, but we had an Ebola czar. And you know why we did? Because Ebola took place in Africa and Barack Obama is ultra-sensitive to anything happening in Africa. Just by way of a quick reference, today, uh, 1,000 Africans meet in Washington, D.C., go to a meeting at the White House. They have been scholarshiped through their young lives on up into American universities, law schools, medical schools, they're not African-Americans. They're Africans. And they were picked because Barack Obama took the federal government money, took your money, and created something called the uh, Young African Future Leaders Development Program. Or, or I'm very close. It's something very much like that. Uh, and, you know, took tens of millions of dollars and spent it not on American poor kids, but on African, not African-American, African poor kids. And they meet today, 1,000 of, there are more, but 1,000 of them come to Washington today to meet. Uh, This president is particularly, one might say, ultra. I did, and I repeat myself, happily, this president is ultra-sensitive to anything that happens in his homeland. You may or may not regard that as reasonable, but it's a demonstrable fact. Now, back to Rick Scott. This is a national problem, not a state one. The reason I mentioned the Young African Leaders Development, yada, yada, is if tens of millions of dollars of your tax money are spent on people on another continent and not because of illness then and if we had an Ebola czar you know oughtn't we have a 
Isn't it time for a Zika czar? And I don't know. See, this, this, I said Rick Scott made a profound statement. This is the profundity. Is it? This is, this gets to the most basic questions of citizenship, i.e., this is why we have a federal system or not. This is a national problem or it ain't, depending on your point of view. Rick Scott's point is, in Florida, we're a relatively rich state, but he didn't say this, but uh, what, what I'm, I'm saying, I mean, today when he spoke, I was reminded Florida is a relatively rich state. It's not largely destitute by any means, but Mississippi is, I don't mean to pick on Mississippi today, but say Mississippi is. And when you say these mosquitoes are all over Mississippi, and they are. And you say, well, well, let's spray. We'll spray for the, or let's, let's you know, introduce new genetic strains of mosquitoes to stop it. Well, that's all very good in a seminar at Harvard. But Harvard has the money. Mississippi ain't. Mississippi doesn't have the money to spray. You're talking about largely, uh, largely black, poor, African-American communities in Mississippi, mostly rural, where this thing is going to spread like, I don't know what, or could, could, sorry, could spread. And they, these people don't have the, 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 these communities don't have the tax base to spray and, to, you know, genetically modify their mosquitoes and all this stuff. That stuff has to come from the state. And if the state doesn't have the money and Mississippi ain't, then it's got to come from the federal government. Now, you either have something wrong with that or nothing wrong with that. But this is the fundamental question of whether you have a federalist system, whether there's a federal government to fall back on. If there is a flood or a tornado in Texas or Oklahoma, do you say, well, they're on their own? You know, let the taxpayers of Texas decide how much relief money they want to take out of their paychecks to give to the victims. Or do you say the state does all it can do and then the federal government, you know, must step in. That is to say, there is no, as you know, there is no such thing as the federal government. Federal government's a building. It's a plaque on a building. There's no federal government. Federal government is you. Federal government is me. <laughs> it's our money. It's it's our paychecks. So, you know, do you say in Oklahoma, all right, the state's going to provide you with X or Y or Z, but after that, hey, sorry, you're shite out of luck. No, we don't. We declare it a disaster area, and we assume that the people in Hawaii and Maine and North Dakota and Florida all want to pitch in to help Texas or Oklahoma, even though it isn't their backyard. It's an American's backyard. That's the federalist system. Now, we either have it or we don't. In the case of the Zika virus, we are right now on the cusp of having to make that decision. And the the political and medicinal challenges and the fact that they butt up against each other here are manifest. You've got, you know, half of the political machinery government machinery saying, quick, quick, we need to break glass, pull lever, 
call this an epidemic and do what we would do if it were Ebola. You've got the other half of the governmental machinery in America saying, no, no, don't talk about it. Shut up. Be quiet. No, no, nothing to see here. Go home. Nothing to see here. Because if we declare this an epidemic, what happens to the Olympics? What happens to Florida tourism? And guess what? Florida, wait till you hear the latest CDC warning on where you ought not go. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Uh, best and brightest. And one 888 one And look, I'm not going to apologize because I think this is an important story that we're doing for, first. And when I say first, I mean spending a lot of time on, a really a lot of time, and, and, and much time to perhaps your chagrin, in which case, to my chagrin, I don't wish to disappoint you. But everyone, everyone will be taking the hand off. I mean, you know, Buck talked about this in the close of his show today. We take the baton from Buck. We hand it off. Believe me, everyone, everywhere, everything is going to be talking about this the next few days. The question is, can it, will it, Ought it overshadow the Olympics? NBC is not going to show you video of the water in Rio, and they're not going to talk about Zika virus. But everybody else probably will. Now, postscript, Rio water. Don't drink it. Don't go in it. Don't get near it. Don't smell it. Don't look at it. Do you know the the water in Rio in which 1,400, 1,400 Olympic athletes are going to go in that water, compete on or in that water? Have you seen the video? We've been talking about this for two years. Now, finally, I hope it gets covered like today it started to get covered. The United States government sets a cleanliness level on things. And I am, as a pure libertarian, glad they do. I mean, I, you know, if if you're so libertarian that you believe in open borders, well, you're just a nut. So, I mean, I you're not libertarian. You're, you're an insane person. So the same thing is pure, 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 quote unquote, libertarians believe there ought not be a federal government to the point that the federal government has an FAA. They don't go down and look at the jets. Can you? And, and, and were you allowed? Can you tell me whether the jet I'm about to get on with my family is safe? Can you inspect those engines? I can't. Can you? I want an FAA. Why about an FDA? When you go to the market today and you get hamburger 
Is it going to kill you? What do you, do you know? Can you look? Can you sample it? You have your little gear. Can you go down there to the supermarket and and test the hamburger? No, you can't. But it could kill you if there was no FDA. I want an FDA. What about women's cosmetics? You know, before there was an FDA, you know how many women suffered, how many innumerable, horrible skin and eye and other diseases because, you know, people just threw this crap out onto the market. They didn't know what what it did to you. They didn't care as long as it sold. I want an FDA. I want enough federal government to tell me that I'm not going to get on a jet plane with my family and that I don't know what's going to kill us first. My wife's eyeliner, the hamburger they feed us on the flight, or the fact that the flight goes down before any of that happens because no one was there to inspect the engines. I want a federal government. I want a minimal federal government, but I want a federal government. Now, you want a federal government to spray for the Zika virus, or you want to leave it to each individual state? And if Alabama ain't got the dough to spray for Zika, when your baby, when your baby doesn't smile at you because it can't, you go to Rio. Okay, I mean, okay. The Rio water. Our federal government sets safety standards. If if your local swimming hole, in whatever form it may take, was right on the line of what the federal government called, this is safe, this gets your child sick. It's right on the line, like it's okay. You know what? It's okay. We have numbers. And this one, the number has to be below 1.000. Okay. So the number for this one is 1.000. It's one one thousandth of 1% on the side of being not make you sick. Would that be good enough for you? Would you send your kids into that water? Would you drink that water? Would, would, Would we all go underwater? Put it up our nostrils? I mean, you know, if it were right there on the line. Okay, you know what I'm saying, right? So you like to be on the safe side a little bit more than right on the line. Okay. The water as tested, this is an Associated Press story that broke last night. The water was tested by the, uh, I think it was the American government. I sure hope it wasn't the Olympic Committee, but the the standing authoritative body on this stuff tested the water in, on, and under which 1,400 Olympians will compete starting this Friday. Okay? Was it right on the line? Was it just underneath the line of dirty, filthy? Or was it, you know, a little bump above dirty, filthy? The answer is the water in Rio is 1.7 million 1.7 million times filthier than the federal danger level 
1.7 million times filthier than the federal danger level. The pollutants include legion lethal chemicals, floating apparent human waste, and it being Rio, pretty likely body parts. This is the water 1,400 Olympians are going to compete in, on, and under? Have you seen the video? Now, again, the video is misleading. The thing I don't like about the video story is I like it because it shows the filthiest, crappiest, it's just the, it's, if you've ever seen the movie Train Spotting, and if you haven't, get it tonight. Train Spotting. But there's a scene in this where there's a little sign they put up, you know, worst or dirtiest toilet in Scotland. Okay. That's what this water looks like. But the thing I don't like about this story is the sword has two sides, as you know, two edges. You know, they might show us this picture. NBC might run a video that's seven years old, 27, 30, 57 years old. They, they might run a video, depending on the tides and the winds, they might show you a picture of a gleaming body of water that looks like bottled water. 75 kabillion gallons of it poured into uh, Rio de Janeiro Bay. So from the, the, the video can be very misleading because the video doesn't tell you anything. The video doesn't tell you shite about shite. That's what you need to know. You, you need to measure it chemically. Well, measured chemically, the water in, on, and under, 1,400 Olympians are about to inundate themselves is 1.7 million times filthier than American federal danger levels for pollutants, chemicals, human waste, and eyeballs. Okay? <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I, yeah. Now, to close out this happy segment on... Uh, Disease in general, life in general, disease in particular. Uh, The latest warning of our most important source, our most authoritative source, is the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. Again, if you don't believe in a federal government, if you're a libertarian pure, you're a nut. And you don't believe we ought to have a CDC because you think they're fluoridating the water or partnering with the Rockefellers to put a tinfoil in your fillings or something. I don't know. But, but see, I think it's a good thing to have a Center for Disease Control. I think it was a good thing when someone died in Dallas of Ebola that we had an authoritative agency that could tell us, here's where this is, here's what it is, here's what you do, here's what you don't do. See, I, I thought that was pretty good. That's here. Here's my two dollars. It's probably what it. You know what it probably cost me? It probably cost me two cents in tax money. Maybe it cost me two dollars. You know what? I'm a sport. Take ten. Here's ten dollars. Good. This is how to not have my family die from Ebola. Take ten dollars. You know what? I'm feeling generous and I want to live. Take eleven dollars. 
All right? I want there to be that much federal government. Okay, the latest CDC warning, official, as of today, to Americans, the CDC issues travel warnings, right? The State Department issues travel warnings that say, don't go to the following countries because if they find out you're Americans, they're going to come to your hotel and cut your head off. Okay, that, that's the State Department. This is the CDC. CDC issues regular warnings as to health and safety. The latest official CDC warning to all Americans issued by our federal government yesterday read thusly, quote, if possible, this is the Zika, but this is an update on the Zika virus, quote, if possible, avoid travel to any American major city. I want to repeat, if possible, avoid travel to any major American city. But don't worry, those mosquitoes can never go north of Rio, where my baby doesn't smile at me, I go to Rio. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, will you do me a favor? Will you just think about what I'm about to say here? Uh, We're going to close out this hour and then come back with politics, uppercase P, big P, you know, uh, uh, in a few minutes. But I want to say this because I observe it. I think it. I want to share it with you. Here it is. The refugee crisis. We all assume that that is a cosmic hiccup, a very, very unpleasant and brutal one. But we assume it's to the body human, the body politic, the, ba- the body cosmic, the body p- p- planetary, that it is a hiccup. It's a sneezing fit. It's a coughing fit. Okay, maybe it's the flu. What I think almost none of us thought about, I didn't until today, and it struck me as I was reading and watching stuff. The so-called, Skip, how long do we have? Roughly? How long? Okay. The refugee crisis was inevitable, and it is permanent, and it will become more profound. Say again, Skip? Okay, thank you. The refugee crisis, so-called, was inevitable, and it is permanent, and it will become more profound, greater in magnitude, more problematic regionally and globally every single day, every single moment, along with likely catastrophic shortages, by the way, of water and food, including in some first world areas, and likely within our lifetimes. But the migration of a third of the planet's human beings from the southern hemispheres to the northern spheres is going to be a crisis that influences or controls the entire world 
and their local and regional politics, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, for the next hundred years at least. Okay. Jay, how do you know? Fair enough. I don't, but I do. Okay, next question. Why should I care? Because if we, the right people, continue to not largely get involved and elect the right people or have a bigger mob with which to install the right people and choose the right policies, the above fact will cause a crash. I mean a crash. In the quality of life, uh, in a stark, hard way, for your children, your grandchildren, and for humanity. This migration of people from sub-Saharan Africa and all these other places to Europe and America ain't temporary. It ain't a hiccup. Do me a favor. Think about it. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Okay, after that most pleasant, promising look at planet Earth in hour one, on and upward, Excelsior! Welcome back, best and brightest. You are, wait, don't tell me, best and brightest. I am Jay Severin. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network. 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. Via Twitter, at J-A-Y underscore doohickey, S-E-V-E-R-I-N. Okay, as I say, when you're taking a step up, into politics, okay, you know, let, let you know that we're dealing with serious matters if the jolly top, if the jolly optimistic topic of the day is presidential politics, we must have been, you know, touring one of the death camps in hour one. But here we are, and for a lot of us, because I don't want to make a sudden transition, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be too happy too soon because it could give me psychic whiplash and perhaps you along with me. So let's ease ourselves into, let's ease ourselves into happy, shall we? With the observation, one 3393 because all of this is a question, as you know. I mean, I, I hope you shall treat it all as a question. Donald Trump, During the weekend, Donald Trump accepted an invitation to appear on This Week 
with we, George Stephanopoulos. And right there, if you are an advanced level student of this, and many of us are, you already are moaning and holding your head. Why, why, if you're the Republican, why, if you're the enemy, why, if you know you're the enemy, why, how, in the world, if you know who George Stephanopoulos is, if you know what ABC This Week is, it's a nest of political vipers. You, you, you are agreeing to the most public colonoscopy ever performed if you agree to go on one of the network shows. You're going on with someone whose adult, lifelong work and loyalty is to the Clintons. Who will work again for the Clintons? George Steph, we George will always work for the Clintons, unofficially as he does now, or officially as he did for the first twenty years of his professional life, and he will close out his life doing. Why? Why? I don't care who the host is. It just makes it worse that it's we George. It could be anybody. Anybody the network is going to place in that position. Why is it, by the way, that all radical leftists hold the chair of the Sunday morning talk shows and a conservative never has? Now, I won't say never will because I couldn't show up for work if I believed that. I, 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 you know, because I, I, I believe my daughter will hold that chair. And things are going to change. I have to believe that. But why, Donald, why? Okay, there are a lot of reasons why. And you might have, I I, I mean, I know the obvious why, is that it's impossible to grow up in America and to be over 30 years old and not know that an invitation to a Sunday morning talk show is prestigious it you know guarantees you coverage in the entire political universe and it does but again if i told you i offer you a free colonoscopy and it's going to be broadcast in prime time along with cartoons are you sure you want your butt on prime time television i mean okay i understand why Donald Trump or anyone else would be inclined to say yes. Who turns down an invitation to the Sunday morning talk shows? I'm trying to be as understanding and flexible here as I can. But you know what? He doesn't have anybody in his campaign to say this to him, I don't believe. Now, he could still make the same decision. I just don't believe he has someone who can say these things to him. Or he... And this is the best and worst of him. He, he won't, he, he's not listening. He won't take advice. He either won't take advice or ain't getting it. Now, 
on this week, ABC News, yesterday morning, Donald Trump was asked about his buddy, Vladimir Putin, and his megalomaniacal ambitions. And Donald Trump said, Putin ain't going into the Ukraine. You could take that and mark it down right now. Write it down, cash it in, bring it to the bank. And I, I, I really, other than bring it to the bank, this is a verbatim quote. So let me backtrack. Uh, Putin ain't going into the Ukraine. He's not. I'm telling you, he's not. It's not going to happen. He's not doing it. You mark it down, write it down. Right now, mark it down. Putin is not going into the Ukraine. And we, George, got a wee boner and recognized instantly, doubtless, that he had a scoop, a big scoop. Because Donald Trump had just revealed an ignorance and I, you know, this is this is my guy. <laughs> this is my guy. So I, I'm I'm really trying to be fair. Donald Trump, in saying that Putin wouldn't go into Ukraine, was 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 right. If you assume that parenthetically he was saying again, because of course Russia is already in the Ukraine. Putin already annexed the Ukraine. Putin already just stripped the badges off the uniforms of his officers and sent the Soviet army and artillery into the Ukraine. Now, we, George, looked at him as though he couldn't believe his good fortune and said, are you telling me that the Russians are not in the Ukraine? And Trump said, they will never. They're not, I'm telling you, mark it down. They're not going to be in Ukraine. And George said, they're not in the Ukraine? And and Trump, there was some reptilian instinct that must have fired in the base of Donald Trump's neck that, that told him, the hairs on his neck, you know, told him, uh-oh, there's another animal. It's called proximity sense. Good marine, good marine reconnaissance guys have it. It's proximity sense. Navy SEALs have it. You don't need, they don't, no one needs to step on a twig and snap it to tell them someone is within two feet of them and about to stab them. They just, they could feel it. And, and Trump felt it. And he said, oh, well, well, he's, he's in there. You know, kind of. He, he, you know, he's he's in the Ukraine, sort of, but he's not going in because it's a disaster because of Obama. And then he tried to backfill. And uh, I don't know about you, but I think this is what we call an authentic worry. This is Jay Severin, Severin. on the Blaze Radio Network.
Severin Show. Best and brightest. Please don't uh, jump me on this one. I'm trying not to jump you. Donald Trump on network talk show yesterday morning said Putin will never go into the Ukraine. Mark that down. I'm telling you right now, do not go into the Ukraine. And the host said, you know, with incredulity, what are you what are you saying? And it, it took Trump three passes to finally get. I don't know if he actually knows or, again, some reptilian instinct fired in the base of his neck and told him that that there was a larger animal there about to you know grab him by the head and and he changed course but he said well not when i'm president you know sort of thing and that's now his follow-up what i meant was when i'm president and again if you apply that to the context it still makes utterly no sense but my question is, um, is this not an authentic worry? And by that, I mean not necessarily merely political. I mean, political is substantive. Political is significant. Political is authentic. But I mean uppercase A, authentic. And by that, I mean, suppose he survives it, which he will, and and suppose it politically, it doesn't cost him anything, right? Suppose he, it's not a scandal, it's forgotten by tomorrow, it, he, it doesn't cost him any poll points. Okay, even so, is it me or am I spoiled wanting a president that can find Ukraine on the map? Is it me? Am I, you know, have I become spoiled or is it important to have a president who knows that Alaska has become a state? I, I, you know, the Russians will not go into Ukraine. Okay. Uh, and my question is authentic worry. I mean, politics aside, don't you kind of need, don't you kind of want a president who knows like can find Russia on a map or like knows current events. Okay. Art, I'll have current events for 200 ding. Okay. Just to the Southeast of the body of the former Soviet union an ethnic enclave. Now it's own country recently annexed by the Soviet union. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, Houston. No, I'm sorry, Mr. Trump. Anyone else? I mean, do, do, do you know, is this just me or is it important? I don't mean political. Is it important that a prospective president of the United States know, you know, world history for 50 art? And my question now politically is, Will this and things like it kill him? Or does this come baked in with Trump? If you're for Trump, do you not care? Does it not matter? Or it just doesn't matter to you? 
Does it not matter? Or, 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 like me, if you find Hillary Clinton and the idea of a Clinton presidency, uh, i.e. a third Obama term on acid, if you find her and it and that prospect so repellent that you can pretend not to be embarrassed if Donald Trump says, and when I'm president, forget about it. The Hawaii, it's beautiful. I'm going to make a golf club there, and I'm going to make it a state. You know, is that is that okay? Because we're so repelled by Hillary that it's 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 okay if he doesn't know geography 101 or civics 101. Does this come baked in with Trump, so it doesn't really hurt him? In other words, can nothing? Because this is what he's going to get every day. And the reason he's going to get it every day is he's stupid. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I mean, he's not stupid. He's ignorant. He's clearly not stupid. Well, I don't know about clearly. He's, he's not. I, I don't, I'm not accusing him of stupidity. I am accusing him prima facie, ipso facto, and uh, other impressive quasi-Latin terms uh, of ignorance. Ignoratum. He, he he doesn't know. It's an absence of knowledge. Okay? I'm not saying it's the presence of stone stupid. I'm saying it's the absence of knowledge. And is that okay? Does that come baked in? Are the, the people who are going to be for Trump going to be for Trump anyway? Is that okay? Okay. It's been a week since the Republican National Committee. Trump is back on the campaign trail. As of last night, and he's already back in Ohio. Remember where the RNC took place? Yeah, Ohio. And it's been how long? A week. So just just a week after a week in Ohio, Trump is back in Ohio validating just how important is Ohio, and maybe first among equals, among the several key swing states. Now, there is an article in the Sunday New York Times, and it says, uh, page one, cover, New York Times, headline, three states seen as, quote, must wins, quote, for Trump. Uh, Alexander Burns, Maggie Haberman, Donald, uh, verbatim quote, quote, Donald Trump confronting a daunting electoral map and a significant financial disadvantage is preparing to fall back from an expansive national campaign and concentrate the bulk of his time and money on just three or four states that his campaign believes he must sweep in order to win the presidency. Even as Mr. Continuing to quote, even as Mr. Trump has ticked up in national polls in recent weeks, senior Republicans say, and there, there, there it is. There's Mitch McConnell, uh, Paul Ryan, uh, a lot of people who just won't put their names on this. So that there's your there, there's what this is what's called an off the record source. Okay, senior Republicans say his path to 270 electoral college votes 
may have grown more precarious. It now looks exceedingly difficult for him to assemble even the barest Electoral College majority without beating Hillary Clinton in a trifecta of the biggest swing states. Say them with me, because you know them. Uh, Obviously not quoting now. Florida, Ohio, Pennsylvania. Quote, President Obama won all three states in both 08 and 212, and no Republican has won Pennsylvania in nearly 30 years. End quote. Full stop. So now we have the New York Times telling us, thank you, what we already know and have been talking about for I don't know how many months. It's the swing states. It's Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and the Wisconsin, Indiana, the, the, the swing states, the Rust Belt. Can he do it? Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. is the Jay Severin Show. And partners, one 888 We're about to go to the phones with partners. Let me just close out at least my notes in saying the Trump thing with the Ukraine. Look, I know and, and I hope, I hope that, it, oh, for the love of, of the sweet infant Jesus, I hope, that most voters, like 50% of them plus one, again, you know, in key swing states, uh, are saying, that's no big deal. You know, everyone can make a mistake. Good. Everyone can make a mistake. Good. Great. Swell. Keen. Grand. Neat. Nifty. It's fine with me. I mean, it's really not fine with me because he really is ignorant of some of the most fundamental knowledge of world affairs, which I I would rather hope a president would have. But you know what? You can hire well. Okay, so I'm willing to write this one off. But how many? I just want to say there there are, you know, having studied this stuff, I know political science, some science, but having studied this with. If anybody knows it, these people are supposed to know it. I was their student. And that plus 30 years in the field teaches me that there are steps in the formation of an opinion. And though we don't like to admit it, and it's difficult to demonstrate, part of it is being able to say who you're for. Now, I'm persuaded that Trump is stronger than he appears because a more significant number than any candidate in our lifetimes and maybe ever are unwilling to say, I'm for Trump. They're unwilling to say it in their carpool. They're unwilling to say it in their car alone. They're unwilling to say it at work. They're unwilling to say it to their families. But they know when they go in that booth, they're going to vote for Trump. 
I really truly believe that. I don't mean it ensures victory. I just mean I truly do believe with my brain and my heart uh, and and my and my spleen that there are huge numbers out there for Trump unmeasured because people won't admit it. However, there there are steps in the formation of individual opinion. And if you push any of the categories too far, they can break. And if you are so far gone in your embarrassment to admit to being for Trump that you really can't tell anybody, you know, if the number of people that know who you're for in this election, if the number of people in your life that know for whom you are voting, number fewer than 10, fewer than maybe five, that's a problem. I mean, it's certainly a problem for Trump. Because in the end, it really, it really does matter if, it, if he says things that can't be defended. I got, you know, more than, I got more than 10 snarky messages in various forms from friends. This weekend, or weekend since yesterday at noon, who said to me, so, you know, your boy is said he's next traveling to South America because he's going to South Dakota. He says, you know, you can only defend so much. And it really does kind of matter in the end. Also, Donald Trump said, okay, period, full stop. Uh, Trump said, on the campaign trail this morning. No more Mr. Nice Guy. I have been nice. I have been too nice. And I really thought that was his problem. Don't you? Uh, He says, no more Mr. Nice Guy. I have been too nice. I am now taking the gloves off. Two questions. Meaning? Second question. Good? Is that a good thing? I don't know what he thinks taking the gloves off are, but is it a good thing? Because I'll tell you right now, and I I don't want to, I've got a lot of notes and a lot of things to say on Hillary's strategy. I'll tell you, may I share with you right now in uh, five seconds, less than five seconds? Wow, you don't hear that a lot on this show. Uh, I'll mark us in fewer than five seconds. I'll tell you what, you know what, in fewer than two seconds, I'm going to tell you what Hillary's strategy is. Three, two, one, destroy Trump. There it is. If you are beyond, if you are beyond measure, irredeemable, if your credibility, likability is beyond salvaging, and Hillary's pretty much is, except for her, again, baked in, for her automatic support, for her base. But your base doesn't win you an election. You have to have it. You can lose it without your base, but you're not going to win it just because of your base. So that that available voter, Hillary's reputation is unsalvageable, probably, with them. Trump's is maybe close. But Hillary's negatives are more visceral and more negative than Trump's. 
among undecided voters. So her strategy is smart. What you do is you impeach the witness. You know, this is derivative of the uh, litigious, of the legal, the jurisprudential, I should say. Sorry, jurisprudential maxim. If the law's on your side, argue law. If the facts are on your side, argue facts. If neither, pound the table and speak loudly. Okay, Hillary Clinton intends to destroy Donald Trump personally, every other politically, every other way there is, because she knows that there are only two ways to go, as so often is the case in life. There are only really two ways to go. You can try to be the candidate that Americans want very much to vote for. Hillary could try to make herself attractive to the 50% plus one of voters. Or if she knows how to read a poll and she has people around her that know better and both are true, she knows she cannot redeem her. She can never make herself likable. She can never make herself the candidate that you love, makes you warm and fuzzy, and you can't wait to vote for. What she has to do is make Trump the guy that is detestable, unacceptable, monstrous, for whom you could never vote. Okay, you ready? I'll do it in one second this time. Three, two, one, destroy Trump. Karen from Los Angeles. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, Karen. Yeah, um, you asked if... if, um... It bothers me. Yes, it does bother me, uh, simply because these are a lot of unforced errors that uh, well said. he's chalking up. Um, just because someone invites you to a fight doesn't mean you need to go. And he, <laughs> he, always, he always seems to, like, end up getting a black eye. For example, what you said about, you know, Snuffleupagus the other day. I didn't see that, but... Um, must see TV is the circus on stars. If anybody's not familiar with that, yeah, you know, um, I'm waiting for that to be. I don't, I don't. That's sort of either past my bedtime, Karen, or oh, okay, conflicting well, with other stuff I have to watch for, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. for preparation for the show. Yeah. So I don't, I haven't seen it, but I've seen clips from it, and I know all of these guys. And I yeah, think it, yeah. I, 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 it looks to me like it's brilliant. I can't wait to see it. I'm going to watch it, it. You know, I'm going to binge watch it when it's available in that form. Yeah, yeah. Well, long story short, um, just like you said, Fox Report, the second half, and Circus. What, what they did at <laughs> well, the convention last, last week is they did a, a hu- huge, as Donald would say, political jujitsu on him and the RNC because everything that you would think we would discuss uh, or celebrate at the RNC, they tried to do at the DNC by, oh, yeah, we're the patriots, uh, we're the, you know, America's great because America's good, we are all about the Constitution, you know, warm and fuzzy unicorns and all that great stuff. Mm -hmm. And they pulled it off because, you know, she's just got this backing by you know the media, except the only people that covered the the protests was Fox News and Fox Business News. That's it. 
And well, I'm there really were the two things. I mean, there if was I may just in, to interrupt yeah. for a second. Mm-hmm. In ascending order of importance or significance, there yeah. were no protests. Really, there were no protests. The biggest bust on Broadway in the last two weeks were the big protesters. Where were they? I mean, exactly. You know, that was that was a really huge bust. And of course, it's smarter for them. They must have gotten the word. You know, the Democrat camp must have gotten the word out. Don't, mm-hmm. because had there been huge violent protests, that would have redounded without question to the advantage. It would have helped create right. and burnish this notion of a law and order dynamic. And Trump exactly. would certainly inherit that vote. So I'm disappointed that there wasn't that protest <laughs> wasn't m- more of a story. Secondly, and and I must I'm I'm there I've got to break here Karen. Please call yeah. back soon. Thank you for the call, but let me say this to you in closing. With respect and affection, I disagree fundamentally on one point you made. And and I've heard other smart people make it. And so far, as usual, I, you know, I'm, I'm not daunted by smart people disagreeing with me, uh, as so often is the case. And, and and that is, I don't think they did pull off the patriotism thing. I don't think they came close to it. I can see their feeble attempts at such. I can mark down. I can remember. I can note with clarity the moments that marked their feeble attempts to be the Patriot Party. But... I don't think for a moment they ever succeeded at that. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Phil just tweeted to say, and, and Stacy's been uh, brilliantly and faithfully tweeting today several times. Phil just tweeted to say, um, what's a bridge too far with you, meaning me, and Trump? You know, you seem to be, and, and, and at least Phil did me the service, the minimal, the minimal service of qualifying his provocative criticism by saying you seem to be uh, subverting your long-held beliefs. No. I, I, you know, again, you have to know your bumper sticker because if you, if you, if you, if you, it doesn't mean you're smarter. If you can't reduce it to a bumper sticker, it means you're not as smart because if you're, if you're smart, and if you're wicked smart, you can reduce it. I mean, Socrates could reduce it to a bumper sticker. He didn't need to, but he could. Epictetus. Epictetus, the Greek philosopher, my favorite, and uh, I can't tell you how profoundly I have been, uh, not, not affected, I mean, yes, affected, but more than that, validated by a slender book of about 80 pages, uh, the translations of Epictetus. I'll, I'll uh, tweet it right now. Uh, it's, uh, 
E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-E-P-